0: And hear the tale of a band of adventurers cast forth in a dark world where hope is faint and their chances of survival are slim. Listen if you dare. This is 1642. Welcome to 1642, a podcast about our continuing survival horror campaign set in a fantasy version of 17th century Europe. I'm your host and game master, Hardy LaBelle, and as always, I am joined by my inimitable co-host, Roger Edmund, who is also one of our players.
1: Thank you, Hardy, my friend, and welcome, everyone. Today's going to be really exciting. So, Contact me at Roger Edmond on Facebook and on Instagram, Roger Edmond 68. We really want to start hearing your comments, read your questions, anything you want to put. I don't care. Is Chicago pizza better than New York pizza? Write it. Tell me. Hardy, what ways can they stalk you?
0: Well, first, I'm really tempted to answer that question.
1: I know you are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I'm going to leave that for our intrepid listeners. Folks can find me on Twitter, Instagram. You can find me on TikTok, all at Raised by Bears. That's me. That's me everywhere. You can find me on Facebook, but that's just my name. So there you go. And I am super excited to jump into the details. In the story beats of the game.
1: Yeah, that's what today is about. I can't wait to get started. And I'm so psyched.
0: Me too. So let's get right into it. A good place for us to start is to say that the player characters in our game are generated using the random generation system as per the rules in Dungeon Crawl Classics. Players roll their stats and they roll a background starting profession for a group of zero level civilian characters who then undergo a funnel style adventure. Our game world is called Avamore and our campaign is set in a fantasy version of 17th century Europe. That description is useful as there are some iconic cultures that you can find in that time period. Zero level starting characters could have backgrounds and origins that come from any of these locations. Human culture on Avamor is analogous to England during that period. It occupies seven kingdoms that are joined together in a loose federation which is ruled over by a titular high king. Humankind's closest ally are the gnomes. These fae folk live closely integrated into the federated kingdoms and they liaise between humankind and the fairy folk of field and forest. To the west lie the seaward Marches, the land of the halflings. On Avamore, halfling culture bears many similarities to Ireland. In the southwest map of the game, we find the Dwarven fastholds. These are similar to 17th century German culture. The Dwarves are famous for their skill at engineering, and also they're known as fearsome mercenaries for hire. To the southwest lies the Elven Principalities. Elven culture has many similarities with the refined culture of the French, replete with a love of finery and courtly pageantry. And finally, on the far side of the world lies Frozen Borgia, a human nation founded on entirely different cultural mores. Borgia most resembles Tsarist Russia, but PCs do not typically originate from here, and its motives and its goals remain unknown. One event that bears mentioning in the background of the game world is the Grey Waste, a century-long plague that decimated the lands of Avomor. The plague has vanished, but its effects still scar the landscape with villages and towns completely abandoned or isolated from the outside world.
1: I love that we have room to make this world grow Mm -hmm. as we grow. But one other thing I wanted to talk about, it was interesting how you talked about how the elves are all, uh, what did you say? You said uh, replete. (laughs) I love the word replete. Replete with finery and courtly pageantry. It's like... I still feel that even though there are moments that are golden and gilded and wonderful, there's always just this little bit of dirt (laughs) underneath all of it. And I think that is really, really cool.
0: I'm glad to hear that. As a horror world, I think that underlying sense of darkness, maybe even a little bit of sleaze, is very appropriate.
1: Yeah, and I think you gave us that right away. We hit the ground running with sleeves. <laughs> and you guys are gonna hear about that because this recap, it was exciting for me. You're gonna get your sleeves, exciting sleeves, right,
0: Hardy? Yes, exciting sleeves. Let's get into that. <laughs>
1: The funnel. Talk to me about this funnel. It's very DCC. I never heard of anything like this before. So let's let's talk about that a little bit.
0: DCC has the concept of. Of The zero level funnel where you are given random level zero civilians and they're kind of thrust into a horrible, terrifying situation. And if they manage to somehow survive through unusual acts of courage or cunning or just sheer dumb luck, uh, then they graduate, become level one adventurers.
1: And so this extraordinary, it's ordinary people in extraordinary situations takes them on a path. To an extraordinary life, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think that's yeah. a really good way to put it too. And I have to say that I was very, I was very unsure. You know, here we are. I've got these four people. You know, and and I go, okay. Well, I felt like I was in the middle of like sort of a video game. Okay, these are the four characters that you have to bring with you. And there was one I was leaning towards, I would say. But I have to tell you, I just took the first sheet that came up. (laughs) I went, okay, took the first sheet. And I said, okay, somebody here is going to be it. And my numbers sucked. Oh, my God. My numbers sucked so bad. I had, but I had a dwarven mushroom farmer. Okay, let's not even get into that. Uh, A chemist, which again, let's not get into that. And a halfling trader. And so the halfling trader, I was like, yeah. That's kind of cool. I really kind of like that. And then there was this elven sage person and I was like, what does an elven sage mean? What does that mean? And I wasn't really sure of all the rules yet. I was just like, I think I'm going to just go along with it and see what happens. So where'd you put us?
0: We started off in a kind of in a high mountain village in between the elven human and dwarven territories in an interesting nexus point on the campaign map.
1: You didn't give us a lot of time to breathe. We're in this town. It's what, Habsburg?
0: No, Habsburg is the bad guy. Uh geez, I forget the name of the
1: Oh, name. I forget the name of the town. Well it I, was Thirding Town.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Habsburg was this scientist who had come and had promised that through scientific revolution, he was going to reopen trade routes that had been closed for such a long time because of the gray waste. But there was going to be no need to repair the roads. He had a miraculous digging machine that he intended (laughs) to use to burrow these tunnels through the mountains that were going to shorten the trade routes and all the rest of the type of stuff. And... So he had this really cool steampunk digging machine. Totally
1: what it was. It was so steampunk. Circa 1642.
0: That's right. (laughs) And uh, the town elders were not sure that they necessarily could buy into it. So he said, well, I'll give you a demonstration. So the town gathered at the mouth of this old abandoned mine. And Habsburg had promised to dig from the town directly to the mine, opening up this tunnel to this high mountain pass. And so the the merchants in the town, the elders or whatever, sort of were like, well, okay, as long as everyone's going to be gathering, then you might as well have like an impromptu fair, a town fair. And so there were buskers and merchants and ne'er-do-well thieves and stuff like that kind of milling around as everybody's waiting for this miraculous digging device to dig its way up through the mine and open up this new tunnel back down to the town proper.
1: And all we're doing, all three of us is going, where are we? What's going on? I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And then there's their bird people. Who's squawking now?
0: No, that was funny, yeah. I've always loved the idea of Corvu. Uh not, sorry, not I should say Kenku. When this campaign world originally came around, the idea of there being flocks of quote unquote dirty birds in the towns that were sort of like the flocks of urchins in Oliver Twist or whatever seemed super evocative to me. Like pigeons. Like yeah, pigeons. Like, like pigeon people, exactly. It seemed super fitting to a kind of fantasy European yeah. type setting.
1: I thought it was really cool. I mean, it was such a and our players had fun with that. God, they really did right off the bat. It was crazy. Yeah, that it was, was so really fun. Oh, no, right off the bat, they were getting it. They were in. Yes. I was like, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they decided to pick up on that whole idea of the birds sort of echoing uh, each other's cries. And so one would say something and then the other ones would sort of echo parts of it along.
1: That uh, was. That was clever. You
0: know what I think is neat is that those character choices happen so fast as compared to the teeth-pulling stuff that we would have to do in like a more traditional like D&D setting or whatever. Yeah. So just for historical context, I decided to migrate us over to the system for a variety of reasons. But one of the things that encouraged me to do it was we tried a one-shot cyberpunk, just make up some light rules. So much fun. So fun, yeah. And the player's really excited about the role-playing and that was encouraging enough to try this dcc experiment and they picked it right up and you picked it right up i knew you would because of your acting background
1: it was like heroin baby it was so i was like yes inject me with character driven game and it was so fantastic but kudos to matt and jason they weren't actors they're not actors they didn't spend 20 years on the stage and yep boom, they were there. They were in it. I was loving that. I really was.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting improv exercise to be handed a goofball Mm -hmm. character with a background and some kind of Mm -hmm. goofball
1: equipment. Structured improv is what I think I said. You've got some things to work with, you know, and I love that.
0: Yeah. And so we started to play this town fair, and I kind of wanted to give everybody the chance to just mill around and try on these new characters for size and just sort of see if they got a feeling as to who they wanted to be. And then the earthquake started. Um, Yeah.
1: Oh, that was, yeah. You get like, like I said, you gave us like three minutes to breathe. We're like, Oh, we're at the fair. Oh no. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it just, and then from that on, it just kept going. Now, did we lose people during the earthquake? Well, yeah.
0: Ironically, you guys were kind of futzing around and somebody failed a luck roll and a rock hit one of the level zero characters and just squashed him flat.
1: I think it was Jason's character just yeah. got mm-hmm. smushed.
0: And one of the funniest things was that in true like Dungeons and Dragons fashion, this rock fell to squash the character. And rather than run for safety, which is <laughs> what you ought to do in DCC, the players all flock to the rock. They're like, we've got to get the rock off this person. And then more rocks fell and more people died. No, (laughs) it really
1: was exactly what you
0: did. (laughs) Part of the reason why I wanted to to do that intro is because it's a shocking experience. If you've never played a funnel, the first time you see one of your characters just, just die. And sometimes the way it's stupid or cruel, or it could just be capricious fate. It's a very weird and liberating feeling because suddenly you're like, oh dear, if this ain't what I'm used to. Well,
1: no, you know? That was really it. Uh, just because of the way we were raised on D&D.
0: Yeah, so there were a few areas of safety. So you could either try to hide in the abandoned mine buildings. You could run into the mouth of the cave. Or there was an old house that was built into the walls of this rock canyon. And we presume it was the house of the owner of the mine or the manager of the mine or whatever. And interestingly enough, you guys all sort of made different choices. Yeah,
1: I know one of my characters where it went to the mine. The dwarf went to that mine. Because I was a dwarf, so he we went to the mine. But I think my Alvin Sage and my trader went to the house.
0: So the earthquakes continued. Rocks were falling down into the canyon. Everybody took shelter. And then the people who ran towards the mine, there was an exhalation of weird oh. gas. And the uh, uh most of the civilians who were running in that direction started to get mutated. Like they were just their bodies were twisting into these horrible mutant shapes with tentacles spreading out of their faces and their bodies contorting. Then it became a question of like, all right, how do we fight these mutants? Can't, you know, oh, do we have enough people to fight the mutants and you know what are they going to do to us and all the rest of that type of stuff? you you guys managed to hide and the mutants most a lot of them died
1: well the dwarf the dwarf really uh gave up his life at that cave entrance to to stop as many of them as he could you know it sounds like it was really like oh he's so good i was like i don't want to play that dwarf i'm going to go put him up there and let him stop people, and if he dies, oh, well, who cares? I'm, like, into the halfling elven. Right now, I'm vested into this elven sage and this halfling trader who both went to the house.
0: And so, the people who went to the house, you guys kind of broke yourselves mm-hmm. inside and discovered that it was sort of like a eh, kind of spooky yeah. haunted house kind yeah. of vibe to it. Very Spartan decor and kind of a creepy vibe, weird painting of this old woman that was sort of hanging up above the mantelpiece of the fire. And as you explored, you realized that it was, in fact, haunted, that there were spirits that were kind of loose inside the house, this horrible demon cat that was terrorizing you guys, and you fought that and defeated it. Somebody went upstairs, approached the rocking chair that was kind of looking out the window at the mouth of the mine, and there was a vision of the old woman who lived there, and then a kind of a vision of the painting itself, which then prompted you guys to check behind it. There was a safe and got it open, and that's when you found the black uh-huh. man. Uh, The
1: ring. ring. (laughs) You just wait listeners. Uh, But we found a ring. It was a magic ring. And finding magic things, right, Hardy, it's very rare.
0: Yeah. I spent a lot of time studying published funnel Mm -hmm. adventures. I spent a lot of time kind of looking at them and the ability to get your hands on cool toys that are more powerful than you can really Mm -hmm. handle is one of the things that is a staple of a good funnel type adventure. And there's a lot of funnels that have magical artifacts that you can find that give you spell casting ability that you can't really handle or other funky powers just so that the players can play with fun stuff
1: and i just want to answer this question but i don't want to give anything away uh spoiler but did you know what that ring was going to be all about i knew who the woman was
0: i mean and i knew that the ring was going to give you spellcasting powers Uh, i knew i knew that but the idea of turning it well don't give it away spoiler alert
1: but all i want to know is did you know because we don't want to tell them now you're gonna have to edit (laughs) that out anyway uh but yeah i just th- i just wondered if you knew what the progression was but that's what you knew the woman the ring magical powers like we
0: ended the first session where the digging machine sort of smashed its way yes. out of the mine and was running amok in the middle right. of the canyon you started to run over buildings and and the earthquakes yeah. were getting worse
1: we've lost so many characters at this point and all we know is that this thing came through here and Burrowed a huge hole. And what the fuck are we going to do? Let's go.
0: There are a couple of interesting points that I... Wanted to share with our listeners as we are diving into the world and to the story. And one of them I'm particularly keen to share with you, Roger, just because this is something that you might not have known if I never told you. But I think it adds an interesting subtext to the game, and that is that when I was creating the world map of Avamor, I generated a random fantasy map uh, from an online service, and then I populated it with the names of real, lost, abandoned European towns and villages. No way. I went through Wikipedia and stripped out all the names of lost or abandoned towns that I could find in England, France, in Germany. And once I had an exhaustive list of those, I went across the world map and manually renamed all the towns. So you're walking through a haunted world of lost towns.
1: That's going to be kind of interesting for anybody who wants to look that up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For me, the... The tip for Game Masters is that if you want a world to feel or sound authentic, that's a great place to start looking, is dive into... Real regions on the map, even historical regions, and you'll find names that have that ring of authenticity that you might not be able to easily replicate if you're just making up the names yourself.
1: Start with the truth, right, Hardy? Start with the truth and expand on that. Absolutely.
0: The other thing that I thought would be interesting to share, since we're talking about the world details, is that I really enjoyed creating custom backgrounds that fit into our magical Europe survival horror themes. To produce the list of backgrounds, I researched real occupations of the 17th century, and then I went through and jazzed it up with backgrounds that I thought would really fire the player's imaginations.
1: You gave us a lot of choices, especially in the funnel in this first part. I think that we were thrown in to the fire, but it was fun and very informative
0: here's the fun tip for game masters and players out there, which is I try very hard to give you guys a framework to hang your ideas and your perceptions off of without being too literal or too specific so that you can create your own version of what those places look like in your mind or what the details are like on the ground. The processors in your imagination are more powerful than any words that I could write or even any images that I could pull up off of the web. So turning on that imagination processor and letting you go to town on what you think the world looks like or what the buildings look like or what the boats look like uh, is is terrific.
1: (laughs) It is giving us agency to be a part of the world Not just sort of, we're in Hardy's world, as much as Hardy started this world for all of us to expand upon together.
0: This episode really deserves a mention of Asgard's Fantasy Map Generator. I used that to create the fantasy map that I told you about before, that then I populated with the names. And I have scoured the web, because I am always looking for time-saving tools And I can promise you, you will not find a better or more powerful random terrain generator for your own fantasy games. It's completely free. We're not being paid by them. It just happens to be a tool that blew my socks off. And you can find it at asgar.github.io slash fantasy map generator you want a quick fantasy map for your world that has all the levels of detail that you could possibly want, including weather patterns, political structures, economic structures, check it out. Another announcement would be this. We've been playing in this game world for quite a while, and we have built up a huge catalog of in-game assets. We've got homebrew rules, unique maps, unique monsters, including art, all of which are integrated into our virtual tabletop environment. We're investigating ways to make these assets available to listeners, so if you'd be interested in that, please let us know.
1: I'm telling you, it is some great stuff. And when we see it in the game, these images and these maps, it just adds to the great flavor. And Hardy, your drawings are amazing. Amazing. I'm just glad I get them for free. I get them now. I get them before everyone. I love it.
0: Well, I don't know if they're amazing, but they're earnest and I certainly enjoy making them.
1: Listen, I just want to throw a special thanks out to all the new listeners. Thanks for joining us on this podcasting journey. We want you to have fun and maybe pick up some stuff that you can use in your own games. Let us know. Let us know what you like, Bright Artie? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me tell you as a final thing, next time, you've got to tune in and you are going to uncover with us this mysterious crystal prison excitement yes